King Lear by William Shakespeare Dramatized About this digital talking book Navigation of this digital talking book is by the CD file at the first navigation level. Every effort has been made to ensure accurate conversion of this book. If errors are found, please report them to the Association for the Blind of Western Australia. This digital talking book was produced by the Association for the Blind of Western Australia in Perth, Western Australia. To support the production of this and other digital talking books, please contact the Association on plus six one zero eight nine three double one eight two zero two or by email to dtb at guidedogswa.com.au. <laughs> I thought the king had more effect at the Duke of Albany than Cornwall. It did always seem so to us, but now, in the division of the kingdom, it appears not which of the dukes he values most, for qualities are so weighed that curiosity and neither can make choice of either's moiety. Is not this your son, my lord? His breeding, sir, hath been at my charge. I have so often blushed to acknowledge him that now I am raised to it. I cannot conceive you. Oh, sir, this young fellow's mother could, whereupon she grew round-wound, and had indeed, sir, a son for her cradle, ere she had a husband for her bed. Do you smell a fault? I cannot wish the fault undone, the issue of it being so proper. But I have a son, sir, by order of law, some year elder than this who yet is no dearer in my account. Though this knave came something saucily to the world before he was sent for, <laughs> yet was his mother fair. There was good sport at his making. And the horson must be acknowledged. Do you know this noble gentleman, Edmund? No, my lord. My lord of Kent. Remember him hereafter as my honourable friend. My services to your lordship. I must love you and sue to know you better. Sir, I shall study deserving. He hath been out nine years, and away he shall again. The king is coming. Attend the lords of France and Burgundy, Gloucester. I shall, my lord. Meantime, we shall express our darker purpose. Give me the map there. Know that we have divided in three our kingdom, and is our fast intent to shake all cares and business from our age, conferring them on younger strengths, while we, unburdened, crawl toward death. <laughs> our son of Cornwall, and you are no less loving son of Albany, we have this hour a constant will to publish our daughter's several dowers, that future strife may be prevented now. The princes, France and Burgundy, great rivals in our youngest daughter's love, long in our court have made their amorous sojourn, and here are to be answered. Tell me, my daughters, since now we will divest us both of rule, interest of territory, cares of state, which of you shall we say doth love us most? 
that we our largest bounty may extend, where nature doth with merit challenge. Goneril, our eldest born, speak first. Sir, I love you more than word can wield the matter. Dearer than eyesight, space and liberty, beyond what can be valued rich or rare. No less than life, with grace, health, beauty, honour, as much as child e'er loved or father found. A love that makes breath poor and speech unable. Beyond all manner of so much, I love you. What shall Cordelia speak? Love and be silent. Of all these bounds, even from this line to this, with shadowy forests and with champagnes rich with plenteous rivers and wide-skirted meads, we make thee lady. To thine and Albany's issue be this perpetual. What says our second daughter, our dearest Regan, wife of Cornwall? I am made of that self-metal as my sister, and prize me at her worth. In my true heart, I find she names my very deed of love. Only she comes too short, that I profess myself an enemy to all other joys, which the most precious square of sense possesses, and find I am alone felicitate in your dear Highness' love. Then poor Cordelia, and yet not so, since I am sure my love's more ponderous than my tongue. To thee and thine hereditary ever remain this ample third of our fair kingdom, no less in space, validity, and pleasure than that conferred on Goneril. Now, our joy, although our last and least, to whose young love the vines of France and milk of Burgundy strive to be interest, what can you say to draw a third more opulent than your sister's? Speak. Nothing, my lord. Nothing. Nothing. N nothing will come of nothing. Speak again. Unhappy that I am, I cannot heave my heart into my mouth. I love your majesty according to my bond, no more, nor less. How? How, Cordelia, mend your speech a little, lest you may mar your fortunes. Good, my lord, you have begot me, bred me, loved me. I return those duties back as are right fit. Obey you, love you, and most honour you. Why of my sister's husbands, if they say they love you all? Happily, when I shall wed, that lord whose hand must take my plight shall carry half my love with him, half my care and duty. Sure, I shall never marry like my sister's. But goes thy heart with this? Aye, my good lord. So young and so untender? So young, my lord, and true. Let it be so. Thy truth, then, be thy dower. For by the sacred radiance of the sun, the mysteries of Hecate and the night, by all the operation of the orbs from whom we do exist and cease to be, here 
I disclaim all my paternal care, propinquity and property of blood, and as a stranger to my heart and me, hold thee from this forever. The barbarous Idian, or he that makes his generation messes to gorge his appetite, shall to my bosom be as well-neighbored, pitied and relieved as thou, my sometime daughter. Good, my liege. Peace, Kent. Come not between the dragon and his wrath. I loved her most, and thought to set my rest on her kind nursery. Hence, and avoid my sight. So be my grave, my peace as here I give her father's heart from her. Call France, who stirs? Call Burgundy, Cornwall, and Albany. With my two daughters' dowers, digest the third. Let pride, which she calls plainness, marry her. I do invest you jointly with my power, preeminence, and all the large effects that troop with majesty. Ourself, by monthly course, with reservation of an hundred knights, by you to be sustained, shall our abode make with you by due turn. Only we shall retain the name and all the addition to a king. The sway, revenue, execution of the rest, beloved sons, be yours, which to confirm this coronet part between you. Royal Lear, whom I have ever honoured as my king, loved as my father, as my master followed, as my great patron thought on in my prayers. Thou is bent and drawn, make from the shaft. Let it fall, rather though the fork invade the region of my heart. Be kept unmannerly when Lear is mad. What wouldst thou do, old man? Think'st thou that duty shall have dread to speak when power to flattery bows, to plainness honours bound when majesty falls to folly? Reserve thy state, and in thy best consideration check this hideous rashness. Answer my life, my judgment. Thy youngest daughter does not love thee least, nor are those empty-hearted whose low sounds reverb no hollowness. Kent, on thy life no more. My life I never held but as a pawn to wage against thine enemies, ne'er feared to lose it, thy safety being motive. Out of my sight! See better, Leah, and let me still remain the true blank of thine eye. Now by Apollo. Now by Apollo, king, thou swearest thy gods in vain. Ah, vassal, miscreant. Kill thy physician, and the fee bestow upon the foul disease. Revoke thy gift, or whilst I can vent clamour from my throat, I'll tell thee thou dost evil. Hear me, recreant, on thine allegiance, hear me, that thou hast sought to make us break our vows, which we durst never yet, and with strained pride to come betwixt our sentence and our power, which nor our nature nor our place can bear, our potency made good, Take thy reward. Five days we do allot thee for provision to shield thee from disasters of the world, and on the sixth 
to turn thy hated back upon our kingdom. If on the tenth day following thy banished trunk be found in our dominions, the moment is thy death. Away! But, Jupiter, this shall not be revoked. Fare thee well, king. Since thus thou wilt appear, freedom lives hence, and banishment is here. The gods to their dear shelter take thee, maid, that justly thinkst, and hast most rightly said. And your large speeches may your deeds approve, that good effects may spring from words of love. Thus, Kent, O princes, bid you all adieu. He'll shape his old course in a country new. Here's France and Burgundy, my noble lord. My lord of Burgundy, we first address toward you, who with this king hath rivaled for our daughter. What in the least will you require in present dower with her? Or cease your quest of love? Most royal majesty, I crave no more than hath your highness offered, nor will you tender less. Right, noble Burgundy. When she was dear to us, we did hold her so, but now her price is fallen. So there she stands, if aught within that little seeming substance, or all of it, with our displeasure, peace, and nothing more, may fitly like your grace, she's there, and she is yours. I know no answer. Will you, with these infirmities she owes, unfriended, new adopted to our hate, dowered with our curse, and strangered with our oath, Take her or leave her. Pardon me, royal sir. Election makes not up in such condition. Then leave her, sir. For by the power that made me, I tell you all her wealth. For you, great king, I would not from your love make such a stray to match you where I hate. Therefore beseech you to avert your liking a more worthier way than on a rat's whom nature is ashamed, almost to acknowledge hers. This is most strange, that she whom even but now is your best object, the argument of your praise, balm of your age, the best, the dearest, should in this trice of time commit a thing so monstrous, to dismantle so many folds of favour? Sure, her offence must be of such unnatural degree that monsters it, or your forevouched affection fall into taint which to believe of her must be a faith that reason without miracle should never plant in me. I yet beseech your majesty. If for I want that glib and oily art to speak and purpose not, since what I well intend I'll do it before I speak, that you make known it is no vicious blot, murder or foulness, no unchaste action or dishonoured step that hath deprived me of your grace and favour but even for want of that for which I am richer. A still soliciting eye, and such a tongue that I am glad I have not, though not to have it hath lost me in your liking. Better thou hadst not been born than not to have pleased me better. 
Is it but this? A tardiness in nature which often leaves the history unspoke that it intends to do? My lord of Burgundy, what say you to the lady? Love's not love when it is mingled with regards that stands aloof from the entire point. Will you have her? She is herself a dowry. Royal king, give but that portion which yourself proposed, and here I take Cordelia by the hand, Duchess of Burgundy. Nothing. I have sworn I am firm. I am sorry, then, you have so lost a father, that you must lose a husband. Peace be with Burgundy. Since that respect and fortunes are his love, I shall not be his wife. Fairest Cordelia, that art most rich being poor, most choice forsaken, and most loved despised, thee and thy virtues here I seize upon. Be it lawful, I take up what's cast away. God's Gods, tis strange that from their coldest neglect my love should kindle to inflamed respect. Thy dowerless daughter, king, thrown to my chance, is queen of us, of ours, and our fair France. Not all the dukes of waterish Burgundy can buy this unprized precious maid of me. Bid them farewell, Cordelia. Though unkind, thou losest here a better where to find. Thou hast her, France. Let her be thine. For we have no such daughter, nor shall ever see that face of hers again. Therefore be gone, without our grace, our love, our benison. Come, noble Burgundy. Bid farewell to your sisters. The jewels of our father, with washed eyes Cordelia leaves you. I know you what you are, and like a sister am most loath to call your faults as they are named. Love well our father, to your professed bosoms I commit him. But yet, alas, stood I within his grace, I would prefer him to a better place. So farewell to you both. Prescribe not us our duty. Let your study be to content your lord, who hath received you at fortune's arms. You have obedience scanted, and well are worth the want that you have wanted. Time shall unfold what plighted cunning hides, who covers faults at last with shame derides. Well may you prosper. Come, my fair Cordelia. Sister, it is not little I have to say of what most nearly appertains to us both. I think our father will hence tonight. That's most certain, and with you... Next month with us. You see how full of changes his age is? The observation we have made of it have not been little. He always loved our sister most, and with what poor judgment he hath now cast her off appears too grossly. It is the infirmity of his age, yet he hath ever but slenderly known himself. Oh, the best and soundest of his time hath been but rash. Then must we look from his age to receive not alone the imperfections of long engraft condition, but therewithal the unruly waywardness that infirm and choleric years bring with them. Such unconstant starts are we like to have from him as this of Kent's banishment. There is further compliment of leave-taking between France and him. Pray you, let us sit together. 
If our father carry authority with such disposition as he bears, this last surrender of his will but offend us. We shall further think of it. We must do something. And in the heat. Thou nature art my goddess. To thy law my services are bound. Wherefore should I stand in the plague of custom and permit the curiosity of nations to deprive me? For that I am some, twelve or fourteen moonshines lack of a brother. Why, bastard? Wherefore, base, when my dimensions are as well compact, my mind as generous and my shape as true as honest, madam's issue? Why brand they us with base, with baseness? Bastardy, base, base, who in the lusty stealth of nature take more composition and fierce quality than doth within a dull, stale, tired bed go to the creating a whole tribe of fops, got tween asleep and wake. Well then, legitimate Edgar, I must have your land. Our father's love is to the bastard Edmund as to the legitimate. Fine word. Legitimate. Well, my legitimate. If this letter's speed and my invention thrive, Edmund the base shall to the legitimate. I grow. I prosper. Now, gods, stand up for bastards. Kent banished thus, and France and Connor parted, and the king gone to night prescribed his power, confined to exhibition, all this done upon the gad. <clears throat> Edmund, how now? What news? Uh, so please, your lordship, none. Why so earnestly seek you to put up that letter? I know no news, my lord. What paper were you reading? Nothing, my lord. No? What needed then that terrible dispatch of it into your pocket? The quality of nothing hath not such need to hide itself. Let's see. Come, if it be nothing, I shall not need spectacles. <sighs> I beseech you, sir, pardon me. It is a letter from my brother that I have not all o'er-read. And for so much as I have perused, I find it not fit for your o'er-looking. Give me the letter, sir. <sighs> I shall offend either to detain or give it. The contents, as in part I understand them, are to blame. Let's see, let's see. I hope for my brother's justification he wrote this but as an essay or taste of my virtue. Mm. This uh, policy and reverence of age makes the world bitter to the best of our times, keeps our fortunes from us till our oldness cannot relish them. I begin to find an idle and fond bondage in the oppression of aged tyranny, who sways not as it hath power, but as it is suffered. Come to me... That of this I may speak more. If our father would sleep till I waked him, you should enjoy half his revenue forever and live the beloved of your brother, Edgar. Ah, conspiracy. Sleep till I waked him. You should enjoy half his revenue. My son Edgar, had he a hand to write this, a heart and brain to breed it in, when came you to this? Who brought it? It was not brought me, my lord. There's the coming of it. 
I found it thrown in at the casement of my closet. You know the character to be your brother's? If the matter were good, my lord, I'd swear it were his. But in respect of that, I would fain think it were not. It is his... It is his hand, my lord, but I hope his heart is not in the contents. Has he never before sounded you in this business? Never, my lord. But I have heard him oft maintain it to be fit that sons at perfect age and fathers decline, the father should be as ward to the son and the son manage his revenue. Oh, villain, villain. His very opinion in the letter. Abhorred villain. Unnatural. Detested, brutish villain, worse than brutish. Go, sirrah, seek him. I'll apprehend him. Abominable villain, where is he? I do not well know, my lord. If it shall please you to suspend your indignation against my brother, till you can derive from him better testimony of his intent, you should run a certain course, where if you violently proceed against him, mistaking his purpose, it would make a great gap in your own honour and shake in pieces the heart of his obedience. I dare pawn down my life for him, that he hath writ this to feel my affection to your honour, and to no other pretense of danger. Thank you, sir. If your honour judge it meet, I will place you where you shall hear us confer of this, and by an auricular assurance have your satisfaction, and that without any further delay than this very evening. He cannot be such a monster. Edmund, seek him out. Wind me into him, I pray you. Frame the business up your own wisdom. I would unstate myself to be in a due resolution. I will seek him, sir, presently. Convey the business as I shall find fit and acquaint you with all. These late eclipses in the sun and moon portend no good to us. Though the wisdom of nature can reason it thus and thus, yet nature finds itself scourged by the sequent effects. Love cools. Friendship falls off. Brothers divide. In cities, mutinies. In countries, discord. In palaces, treason. And the bond cracked twixt son and father. This villain of mine comes under the prediction. There's son against father. The king falls from bias of nature. There's father against child. We have seen the best of our time. Machinations, hollowness, treachery, and all ruinous disorders follow us disquietly to our graves. Find out this villain, Edmund. It shall lose thee nothing. Do it carefully. And the noble and true-hearted Kent banished his offence. Honesty. Ah, oh, tis strange. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this is the excellent foppery of the world, that when we are sick in fortune, often the surfeit of our own behaviour, we make guilty of our disasters the sun, the moon and stars, as if we were villains on necessity, fools by heavenly compulsion, knaves, thieves and treachers by spherical predominance, drunkards, liars and adulterers by an enforced obedience of planetary influence, and all that we are evil in by a divine thrusting on. <laughs> An admirable evasion of whore-master man to lay his goatish disposition on the charge of a star. My father combined with my mother under the dragon's tail, and my nativity was under Ursa Major, so that it follows Amraf and Lecherus. 
I should have been that I am had the maidenliest style in the firmament twinkled on my bastardizing. Pat, he comes like the catastrophe of the old comedy. My cue is villainous melancholy, with a sigh like Tom of Bedlam. Oh, these eclipses do portend these divisions. Fasol on me. How now, Brother Edmund? What serious contemplation are you in? I am thinking, brother, of a prediction I read this other day, what should follow these eclipses. Do you busy yourself with that? I promise you the effects he writes of succeed unhappily. When saw you my father last? The night gone by. Spake you with him? Aye, two hours together. Parted you in good terms, found you no displeasure in him by word or countenance? None at all. But think yourself wherein you may have offended him. And at my entreaty forbear his presence until some little time hath qualified the heat of his displeasure, which at this instant so rageth in him, that with a mischief of your person it would scarcely allay. Some villain hath done me wrong. That's my fear. I pray you have a continent forbearance till the speed of his rage goes slower. And as I say, retire with me to my lodging, from whence I will fitly bring you to hear my lord speak. Pray ye, go, there's my key. If you do stir abroad, go armed. Armed, brother? Brother, I advise you to the best. I am no honest man, if there be any good meaning toward you. I have told you what I have seen and heard, but faintly. Nothing like the image and horror of it. Pray you, away. Shall I hear from you anon? I deserve you in this business. A credulous father and a brother noble, whose nature is so far from doing harms that he suspects none, on whose foolish honesty my practices ride easy. I see the business. Let me, if not by birth, have lands by wit, or with me's meat, that I can fashion fit. <laughs> 